You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 839 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday evening into Monday morning, and today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, you get $10 off your next order with Built Bar. At the top of the podcast today, obviously I will acknowledge that this is the, I guess on Sunday night, was the official end of the 2019-2020 NBA season. I know it ended for the Hawks quite a long time ago, but finally the actual campaign is over with the Lakers winning the title. Congrats to them on doing so in a sort of bizarre fashion on Sunday night. But alas, uh, it's now officially the offseason for everyone. It's been for a long, long time in this space, but that's sort of the kickoff to the official offseason for everybody else and uh, full speed ahead to the draft and free agency, all that stuff. We're about a month away, a little bit more than a month away than the, from the draft. So keep that all coming. And uh, today's podcast will just be me talking about um, a couple of different things, um, some mailbag stuff later on. And also at the top here, I want to dive into the Hawks minicamp special actually that aired on Fox Sports Southeast on Sunday evening. No big news or anything like that from that special. The Hawks fans will certainly be interested in seeing some of the images and the video of the guys on the floor. If you didn't watch it, hopefully it's available again. I, I got a chance to check it out on Sunday evening. There was a one-on-one conversation with a good friend of the program, Bob Rathman and Lloyd Pierce as well as part of that special. A couple of takeaways that I had real quickly here at the top. Um, there is some video in that um, in that special from you know from players out of the facility having some fun at some of the activities that the team referenced during the mini camp zooms that we discussed in the last couple of weeks. Nothing nothing really to glean from the on court video stuff, which is just highlights and some normal back you know background reaction stuff. But Pierce did, t- did talk about Capella and what to expect there, as well as what how he impacts Collins as a front court partner. Uh, Pierce also shouted out Chris Gent, assistant coach, on his work with John Collins and his development. Also, he mentioned that uh, the fact that Collins has been able to maintain his efficiency near the rim while also adding that perimeter dy- dynamic. That's a huge thing for him, obviously, as one of the best offensive big men in the NBA. Uh, also, Pierce talked about all the other young guys as well, praising uh, Trey Young for setting the tone during the minicamp. He praised Cam Reddish for his skill development and getting stronger during the break. He wants Kevin Herter to take more shots and seek out his own shot a little bit more this season. That means being in optimal shape is the way that he talked about that. So he's always moving around the perimeter and not being able to get gas as a result. And then Pierce also said that DeAndre Hunter is, quote, probably our best worker, end quote. And praise the soon-to-be sophomore forward for his reliability, despite not being like a huge highlight guy that some of the other guys potentially are. Uh, he also said that Hunter really understands angles and positioning, needs to communicate better and be vocal. But, um, you know, some standard stuff there. Obviously, some crossover from what you heard on the show and other places from Pierce in the last couple of weeks with, with regard to the minicamp. I thought it was inter- interesting to hear that all in one place. Pierce also talked about his off-court work and the team's off-court work of the last few months as well. There's definitely a lot of talk throughout the special about the camaraderie aspect. The chemistry building, and that's sort of the theme that I touched on when the minicamp was happening, but not a bad thing, obviously, that the guys seem to be fired up to be together, both on and off the court during that time. You can't really glean too much from that from the outside, but everyone was pretty much on, on message with that, and it sort of comes through even more on that special. And again, uh, always good to watch good friend of the program, Bob Rathman. Always worth the price of admission there to hear Bob's voice during this offseason. And uh, yeah, so if nothing else... A good dose of normalcy to see the Hawks in that form again. Uh, nothing huge to take away from it, but uh, I wanted to go ahead and talk about what was uh, what was there on that. And again, the offseason is now officially here for, for everyone. Um, we'll obviously be diving 
into plenty of topics in the next couple of weeks and months. The draft is going to be a plus number one topic between now and the draft. We have about a month to go, as I said before. We've talked about all, all, all different kinds of things in the last few weeks, but the draft is really going to ramp up. I actually recorded a, a two-part podcast that I'll be airing later on this week with a, with someone on the draft, and uh, my guest list is hopefully going to be filling up in the next couple of weeks, so please stay tuned for all of that. Okay, before we get to the rest of the podcast, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first one is Bilt Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I've told you in the past how much I will love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. And from there, it's also important to note that Built Bars are fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bar is even great if you are on the keto diet. And for a limited time right now, there's also an extra strawberry flavor, and there's a 12% off promotion on your order for that flavor through October the 12th with Built Bar matching a donation to Breast Cancer Angels, Huntsman's Cancer Institute, and Living Beyond Breast Cancer for up to $50 per order. In addition, there is a Breast Cancer Awareness hoodie available at BuiltBar.com for $19.95 with 100% of the proceeds going to organizations that support breast cancer patients and their families. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code Locked On. When you do that, you'll get $10 off on your next order. One more time, that's BuiltBar.com. Promo code Locked On for $10 off on your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction is not always easy. Usually men just brush it off or blame themselves. Sip saying things like, I lost my mojo, or even avoiding it altogether by blaming work or blaming it on a long day. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, it's safe, and it's totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. And if medication ends up being appropriate for you, Roman will ship it to you for free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and very, very simple. Getting started is also simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA and complete an online visit with Roman. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off on your first order of treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, and from there, we'll dive into a couple of mailbag questions. They're actually kind of related, so I grouped them together. I have a stable of mailbag questions, but by the way, I'm always looking for more content, especially right now in this offseason, so please fire away mailbag questions uh, to me at BT Roland on Twitter or at LockedOnHawks on Twitter. Also, we have an email address available for mailbag questions. It's LockedOnHawks at gmail.com. Um, please, 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 I beg you for more, for more questions. Fire them off, and I will be happy to answer as many as I possibly can on the podcast. Okay, first one from today comes from Victor, who asks... Would DeLon Wright make sense for the Hawks in a trade? I heard him discuss by Nate Duncan on a recent podcast, and it seems like the Mavs want to dump him in some way. So, I heard that as well from Nate. It's a pretty int- intriguing idea. In fact, I was asking, asking some people about DeLon Wright after hearing that on the podcast because I had not thought of him specifically as a guy for the Hawks, but it's pretty intriguing, and I appreciate the question from Victor. Uh, Wright is a 28-year-old guard, um, real sort of a big point guard type, 6'5-ish, and the kind of guy who could be your backup point guard as well as play with Trey Young a little bit in theory. Um, that's, kind of, that's kind of the archetype that I'm looking for for the Hawks, um, at least in an ideal world um, for a while now. Um, he's not a great shooter by any means, a 34% career three-point shooter on pretty small volume, but Wright can defend. He can create off the dribble a little bit, which is something the Hawks could certainly use, and they don't really have a lot of that, at least they didn't last year. I think he paired pretty well with Kevin Herter as well on the second unit when Trey Young was off the floor. Because of that, I think that definitely makes some sense to posit Wright could be a target if the Mavs are motivated. And honestly, it comes down to the contract for Wright, which is number one on the list, and also just how much uh, how much Dallas wants to dump him or get off that deal. 
Um, he seems to have fallen out of favor a little bit in Dallas. He played a lot for the Mavs this year on a good team, but the Mavs were better off, uh, at least slightly, with him off the floor by the numbers. They were still positive with him on the court, just for the record. Um, but I don't think they, they love the fit with Luka, and it sort of deteriorated at times there. Jalen Brunson potentially plays more um, than him, and there's not a whole lot of space for Don Wright to get huge minutes moving forward in Dallas, potentially. And that's something that Nate was also referencing on the podcast. He can still play, though, I think. Um, the contract was pretty reasonable when he signed it, I, in my view, but I think it's probably a little bit underwater now. I'm not sure he would get that much. In fact, I'm pretty sure he would not get as much as, much as he's owed if he's a free agent this summer, especially, or this fall, I guess, as free agency begins. Um, but still, you know, the current state of the league, outsta- uh, sort of uh, notwithstanding, DeLon Wright is a pretty good player, and I think he's uh, reasonably valuable as a result. So um, contra- contractually, he's owed $9 million for next season, and then $8.5 million for the following year, which is 21-22. Again, that's a little bit more than I think he'd probably get right now, but he also might be worth that in a vacuum, at least in the prior sort of pre-pandemic salary uh, structure of the NBA. If the Hawks took on him uh, for nothing, I would definitely understand that. Um, I would not give up assets, at least a lot of assets, to get DeLon Wright on that deal because, again, I'm not sure he's even uh, neutral uh, con- neutral on that contract. But it's fairly close. I think he's appropriately paid in a vacuum. Um, but, you know, the, the thing about it is, like, if it's a one-year deal at $9 million, I would like it a lot more. There's less risk there. Um but with with the second year, and that's probably the one that would uh, scare Dallas off as a, a little bit as well, might be a sticking point in any negotiation or whatever. And just as a reminder here, this is definitely not a rumor right now. It's just more of a thought process, and it was mentioned by someone prominent, so I wanted to pass it along because I was asked. Anyway, um, I think that Wright is better than a lot of the free agent options that the Hawks could pursue at backup point guard, for sure. It's also a pretty good chunk of change, and ideally, the Hawks would be getting some sort of asset Probably a small one in that kind of deal with Dallas, especially since the Hawks are the one of the only teams that Wright can sort of land on without too much pain contractually. Uh, and, you know, the only caveat being there, the Hawks might want to keep their powder dry a little bit more for the following season. If they if they have big swing options or a, uh, a big plan in 2021, they may not want to have that $8.5 million on the books. But if you could, if you could kind of line that far, you might be able to flip it a little bit if you needed to in some desperate situation if you think he's appropriately paid. So I think overall it's a pretty decent fit. It's a contract that I, that I don't hate necessarily. And uh, yeah, I think it makes some sense, depending on how Travis Schlank feels about DeLon Wright, which I actually don't know at this point in time. Uh, I think he, on paper, would make some sense for Atlanta. But overall... Uh, you know, sort of, he's sort of an above-average backup point guard. I'm, not, I'm obviously not a starter, I don't think, in the league right now. He's a little bit older than you might like, but for a two-year deal at 28, that's totally fine. And I think he'd be a, a quality backup option on the on the spectrum for the Hawks. So there you go on that. Hope hope that answers the question. Um, the second one that I wanted to get to here is for, actually from a good friend of the program, Jerry Hinnon, a former CBS Sports college football writer, also a big Auburn fan and a Hawks fan. So shouts to Jerry for listening. Um, he asked this a while ago, but I filed it away. This is, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense in conjunction with the right question. And he says the following, I wanted to ask him possibly mailbag question about, um, backup point guards, because after listening to the point guard draft primer, I know it's not their MO, but with so many worthwhile options like Cassius Winston, Malachi Flynn, Peyton Pritchard, Devin Dotson, etc., in the early second round and the roster in need of bodies at that, at that spot, any chance the Hawks could straight up buy a pick in that range. So, um, obviously backup point guard is a spot that we've focused on quite a bit on the podcast. And, uh, if you missed any of the draft primer series that I did with Zach Hood, that's the one he's referring to where we, t- where we talked about basically every player available in the top, like 80 at every position. There's a bunch of point guards that we have sort of, at least I have somewhere in between like 25 and 50 on my board. I 
ton of those guys, but the Hawks don't have a pick in that range. Obviously, the Hawks do have that second-round pick. It's a little bit later on. I'm not sure that any of those guys will be there. Maybe they will be. But in terms of just buying a pick, it's a pretty interesting exercise. You know, famously, I've been a little bit critical of the Hawks in the wrestler era for selling picks. And I know they have not always been straight sells. Like, they usually do some sort of pick swap alongside. But, you know, categorically, the Hawks have sold picks. They've done money-motivated things in the second round. Now, the impact of that is certainly not huge because of the deals that they were making, their picks in the 40s, etc. But, you know, all things considered, there's no basketball value in selling a pick. It's just monetary value for the owner and all that stuff. So that's the caveat here. I'm not sure the Hawks would go the other direction and just spend money to get a pick, but it would make some sense this year. I think the Hawks have roster space. They have roster flexibility. And I think um, you know, without going into too much of the finance stuff, I think Tony's doing okay uh, in terms of the pandemic and all that fallout. And the Hawks are so far below the cap, and they might stay below the cap at some point. I'm, I'm sure they're going to go over a little bit, but they're not going to be in the tax or anything like that this year. So spending the money may not be a huge factor um, this offseason. For Atlanta, there is a salary floor they have to get to, etc. But um, if teams are especially looking to make some cash, um, there are definitely some owners around the league, I won't name names now, but that are, that are cash-strapped as a result of everything that's going on in the NBA and beyond the NBA, of course. So if there was a, a team or two in the 30s or 40, or early 40s that might want to get off of their picks for a cheaper-than-usual price, the Hawks should certainly be involved in that. I'm not sure if they would do it, but... There is some value. I think this draft is not great at the top. We've said that a number of times, but there's some depth in my view. So if there's a guy the Hawks like in the 30s or 40s that falls too far and they want to get some value, they can certainly trade for that guy in a different way. But if there's a pick for sale, you know, somewhere in the late 30s to early 40s, that's not going to break the bank for Tony Ressler. I would hope that Travis would make, at least make the call. Um, I have no intel on that whatsoever as to whether that be a strategy of theirs, but it does make a lot of sense, and Jerry's point's a good one, that there are a bunch of guys in that range that probably won't get to 50 necessarily for the Hawks, but also could really help them. I'm not sure what their plan is to adopt, sort of, uh, I, I would say, uh, adopt a new backup point guard in some way, whether it be the draft or um, free agency or trade. But if they don't draft one of the point guard-ish players in the in the lottery, and, the, and those guys are basically Killian Hayes and Tyrese Halliburton, at least of, of the guys who are often mocked or in and around the Hawks, if they don't do that, um, free agency is of course after the draft. Um, we won't know what they're going to do there. But you know, you have Jeff T, you have Brandon Goodwin, and all that stuff. I understand that, but it's still a spot that I have circled as a as an area the Hawks will probably want to address in some form. If a possible way to do that is to get um, a pick. In that you know forty-ish range at a reasonable price, I would certainly be willing to buy it if I was Tony Wrestler. But it's his money, not mine. So I don't know if that's going to be an option, but it's a pretty good idea there from Jerry, in my view. Okay, that'll do it for today on a shorter podcast. But I want to start the week off with a bang here. I have at least one guest in the hopper for a two-part podcast this week, maybe even one beyond that. Might only do three or four shows this week after doing five, uh, three weeks in a row, I think. At this point in time, I have some uh, baseball stuff to cover and dive into, the Braves and the NLCS, etc. So forgive me if I don't go full five this week, but I've been trying to give you as many possible shows uh, as, as, I, as I can, honestly, during this time. Hopefully that's been appreciated on, uh, on that level. So please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. Please leave five-star feedback about the podcast if you enjoy it. And uh, if nothing else, we will see you later on in the week.